0: Thank you, Kellen, thank you, team, thank you, Ruth, and all the kids, thank you, Wendy, and Wendy, that was beautiful prayer, and, and um, yeah, I'm never going to hear that song, Rescue, the same way again, wherever you're at, wherever you are, that was, that was beautiful, but I got to say, probably the song I sing to myself more than any other song is Come Thou found. Uh, just the words of that haunt me. Um, that sounds wrong. They haunt me in the best of ways. They haunt me in the good way that they just, they're always there to call upon. That's why we sing these songs. Yes, we know we're praising God. We're lifting up our voices. But store these up, like the words of God, like we are called to store up the word of God in our hearts. Store up these songs. Sing these tunes. Know these melodies. Remind yourself of His grace, of His faithfulness, of His mercy, of His kindness. It's, it's part of what we do as the people of God. It's a beautiful thing. Well, I've got two weeks of sermons stored up in me, so um, just, just buckle up and get ready for it. Uh, two weeks ago, I sounded awful, but I, I lied. I'm sorry. I said I felt fine. I didn't. I went home and I crashed, and like I didn't get up for days. I don't know what hit me. I kept testing for COVID. I was negative the whole time, but... I had a cold like I haven't had in years and years and years. So thank you uh, for prayers and support and people asking how I was doing. I'm feeling much, much better now. And it's a good thing that I'm feeling much better now because we are only two weeks out. From Easter, can I get a amen? Can I get a hallelujah? Can I get some people excited? I need to get you excited because, frankly, I need your help. We've got a lot of things going on. Next week is Palm Sunday. We're going to be waving our palms. We're going to be singing Hosanna. It's going to be an awesome service. We're going to be talking to some of you about getting ready for baptism because we know that the following Sunday is going to be our Easter Sunday celebration. Uh, We are going to have a baptism service. We are going to have the Easter egg hunt. Oh, my goodness, and we're going to have the Good Friday service. There's so much going on. Um, Please, 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 next week, if you could, bring some candy. Help us get ready for the Easter egg hunt. That's going to be only two weeks away. And we already have uh, well over 50. Maybe we're closing in on 100 people from the community already registered. I don't know what it is about eggs uh, and baskets and bunnies. Uh, The community goes nuts. All I know is, like, we put out a sign, and seriously, people show up. Praise God for that. If it works, we'll work it and we'll get people here to hear about the resurrection. He is risen. Amen, friends. Hey, amen. He is risen indeed. I love it. We get to say that every Sunday. That's not just an Easter Sunday thing. Um, today, and 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 let me just play off of that. We know that um, Easter has kind of been hijacked or hitched to bunnies and baskets and you know going out for brunch afterwards. Uh, we do the Easter egg hunt here. That's why today's reading, which you're about to get, is maybe going to sound so out of place. Because today's reading is going to sound way more like, honestly, a Halloween reading. I mean, this is like doom and gloom. It is bones and death and a valley of darkness. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Where is this coming from? But, and, and I even dressed in my most ominous looking outfit I could put on. I wanted to look like the, the Grim Reaper to kind of mirror the, the, the tone of the passage. But listen, this is... The whole point of it is this. It's, it's to kind of catch your attention and be like, wait, what am I hearing? What is happening here? It, it is meant to kind of shake you and stir you and stir something in you. So let me propose that what I'm about to read is not actually a very Halloween passage, but like the most Easter passage we might have in all of the Old Testament. Because this passage is in fact going to start in doom and gloom and death in a valley, but it is going to end with resurrection. It is going to end with new life. It is going to end with new creation. Are you ready for it? You excited for it? All right, I'm going to read it here for you. And again, it's going to be all like, what's happening here? But hold out for the end. It starts bad, but it ends good. So here we go. Ezekiel chapter 37. You can read the first 14 verses, actually. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live, and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord." This is the word of our Lord. Well here's the fun thing about Ezekiel. He gives us more dates than any other prophet, than any other book. He gives us not just dates, but He gives us days. So we know exactly when and what is transpiring in God's plan for redemption. And let me tell you, let me warn you right now, it seems like it's going to go from bad to worse to rock bottom. In 597 BC, the northern kingdom was sent into exile, including Ezekiel himself. Exiled to the land of Babylon. Now, Ezekiel was the son of a priest, and the son of a priest is usually lined up to become a priest. But let me tell you that a priest in exile, a priest without a temple to serve in, doesn't have much of a future or a hope or a plan for his career. He spent five years in exile, but then something happened. A corner was turned. In 593 BC, in fact, and we know the date was July 31st, which may have been, we don't know this for sure, but it was most likely his actual 30th birthday because it was tradition that on a priest's 30th birthday, they are officially moved into the practice of the priesthood. But something different happened in the life of Ezekiel, because he had no temple to serve in. There is no duties for a priest to do in exile, but he had his first vision. The word of the Lord came to Ezekiel. He had a vision of what was transpiring, and why it was transpiring, and what it all meant for the people of God, and it was doom and gloom. After five years of simply living, in, uh, living as a refugee in exile, he then starts to preach good old-fashioned hellfire and brimstone, doom and gloom. Woe to you to the nations, to Edom, to Amnon, to uh, Moab, to all the nations. Woe to you to the kings and to the rulers of the land. Woe to you even to the people of God. Woe to you Israel, woe to you Judea, woe to you Jerusalem, woe to you my people. He was not a fun guy to be around. And then, seven years later, and 24 chapters later, well it got even worse. In 586, the hammer was about to fall. And things are going to go from bad to worse to a rock bottom they had never known or experienced before in their life as a nation, as the people of God, since their exodus from the time of slavery. Judea, the southern kingdom, was going to fall. Jerusalem, the holy city, was about to fall. The temple where they worshipped God, where the presence of God was supposed to be there protecting the people, with the people, guiding the people, the presence of the living Lord with them, the temple was going to be destroyed. And as if God was going to add insult to injury, throw some salt on those wounds, and take a lemon and squeeze it on it, (laughs) the Lord even told Ezekiel that his wife was going to die. And it all came to pass. It all came to pass. Rock bottom. What did it all mean? It seemed as if the covenant with God had been broken. Because it wasn't just like They were defeated by an army and they were put in exile. Now it was like the covenant, their covenant, their promise with the living God had been shattered. Yes, if they are honest with themselves, if they're going to assess their own life, their own practices, their own trajectories, the people of God, they had certainly been unfaithful in many ways and on many occasions. But God kept coming through time and time again. God was calling them back to himself, calling them back to faithfulness, calling them back to this plane of redemption, calling them to fulfill the promises that God had placed over them. But now it seemed like, well, maybe the God or the gods or whatever they are of Babylon or more powerful than our God. Or maybe our God has just abandoned and forsaken us. He prophesied, he preached, he went, woe woe to you, doom and gloom, all that hellfire and brimstone. Uh, he, He was loving it all. But then, all of a sudden, after his wife died, after it seemed like it couldn't get any worse, a corner was turned. Something was about to change. God was about to do a new thing in their life. Now hold on to that for just a second. I imagine... Well, we'll put it this way. We love mountaintops, right? Of course we love mountaintops. Why wouldn't we love mountaintops? Especially here in Colorado, we love our Rocky Mountains. We love our 14ers. We're all about the mountaintops, and that simply becomes our metaphor, our way of understanding, our way of praying for and hoping for in our lives. We want a mountaintop marriage. We want a mountaintop job. We want a mountaintop bank account. We want mountaintop experience with our kids. We want a mountaintop kind of a church where everything just just seems to work all the time, every way, just mountaintops, nothing but sunshine. Forget 300 days of sunshine, we want 365 days of sunshine and on leap year day too. I mean, we just want the mountaintop experience, right? Who wouldn't, who wouldn't? Are you wrong for wanting the mountaintop? Are you wrong for wanting the blessing? Are you wrong for wanting the hope in the future? course not it's what we would all want for ourselves we'd all want for our nation we all want for our world but the reality in this world it seems to be valleys there are valleys and what has happened here of course in the people of god is they're in the valley but they're not just in the valley they're like in the valley of the shadow of death But they're not just even in the valley of the shadow of death where his rod and his staff will comfort us. They're now in the valley of the reality of death. And that's what God shows them. You're not just in the valley. There's not just a shadow. This is it. This is death. This is about as bad as it can get. And I get it. It's just bones. And not just bones and bodies. It's like bones left out to rot, to decay, and to dry, and to turn to dust. I mean are we there? Are we there do we get how bad it is? And I can't imagine. You just take pause of inventory of your life. We all have those areas of our life that of course seem like valleys. Maybe our marriage seems like a valley. Maybe our parenting seems like a valley. Maybe the lives of our kids seem like they're in a valley and our heart goes out to them. Maybe it seems like our nation is in a valley. Maybe it seems like our world is going more and more into a valley. We have those valley days. We have those valley seasons. I mean, the reality is maybe for some of you, you'd say, actually, if I do that timeline of Ezekiel, I've been there for years. I've been there for years. It was like five years of being a refugee and then seven years of doom and gloom. I mean, I have been in this valley and whatever was left has just turned to brittle and bone and dust. And the people of God are there. The nation is there. The plan for redemption seems to be there. But it's like God says, now that you think it can't get any worse, you're going to see how good it can actually get. You're going to see how good and how great and how amazing is this work of redemption and this plan of blessing that I have for your life. Because all of a sudden, after Ezekiel's wife dies, when you think it can't get any worse for him he gets a new word for God. It is the word that we actually pick up where we started reading today. All of a sudden, when the people are like, well, tap out, I'm done, I'm gonna lay down and die, Ezekiel says, no, my people, I want you to know now that you recognize where you're at, now that you even see and kind of understand how bad it is, and Ezekiel would certainly say at this point, I mean, I I hate to even imagine, now that I know how bad it can be in my own life because of my own loss, because of what I've suffered as a prophet now, God is going to bring His plan of redemption back on course, and He starts with that good word. He starts that good. Remember, you catch what that first word He says? How does chapter thirty-seven start? You got to love it. He says, "The hand of the Lord is on me. The hand of the Lord is on me." Um, I'm going to have to go into preacher mode because you guys aren't getting it just yet. The hand of the Lord is on me. Can somebody here say the hand of the Lord is on me? The passage could be over. I mean, honestly, if we really get what's happening right here in this moment, Ezekiel could end. Ezekiel could stop saying another word and we could get it if we have eyes to see and ears to hear. Because that's when he hears Ezekiel. The hand of the Lord is on you. Listen, this is what God is telling him. They, they can, they can take you out of the Northern kingdom. They can take you out of the Southern kingdom. They can take you out of Jerusalem. They can take you out of the temple. They can take you out of your land. They can take you to Babylon. They can take you to exile. They can take you to the status of refugee. They can take you to this valley of dry bones, but you know what they can't do? They, thank you. Thank you. I oh, can always count on you, Heather. They can't take the hand of the Lord off of you. My people, they cannot take the hand of the Lord off of you. And I know we're not at Easter, but I'm allowed to jump ahead because we do know where this goes. When Jesus is with us, the hand of the Lord is on us, and they can't take Jesus away from you. They can't take his hand off of you. They can't take the promises of our Lord and Savior away from us. No matter what happens in your life, they can't Take Jesus' hand off of you. Amen, friends? Amen. This is our hope. This is our future. This is our promise. When the hand of Jesus is on us, he will protect us. It doesn't always feel like it. We don't always understand it but his hand is on us protecting us. The hand of Jesus will provide for us. He will provide for us not what we want, but what we need, what we need for life, what we need for blessing, what we need for our salvation. The hand of the Lord is on us. The hand of Jesus will guide and direct you. When you submit your life fully to him, he will guide and direct you. And sometimes, yes, it's gonna take you through a valley. It's gonna take you through that shadow of death. It could take you through a season where it feels like real death, but his hand will guide you. That is where we're going now, friends. This is the word of the Lord. He says, the hand of the Lord was on me. And when the hand of the Lord is on me, nobody, nobody can stand against me. When the hand of the Lord is on you, nobody can stand against you, friends. Believe it, claim it, live into it, embrace it. Take hold of the God who takes hold of you with his hand, his mighty hand of salvation. And this is what he says. This is what he says, hand of the Lord is on me. And and this is, he, he led me through this valley and then he gets in his place and he kind of asks a question and, and, and he's a smart guy of course he says can these dry bones live and he's and i mean no i mean we know the answer is no i mean i, I mean anybody with half a brain at this point is going to be like mm, no like, like, like it's not they're not just dead i mean like they're bones drying up bleached in the sun turned into dust can these bones live but he's smart he's smart enough he says sovereign lord only you know only you know Then he has something for Ezekiel to do, and I think we need to ponder this, what this means for us. He says to him at this point, he says, okay, this is what I want you to do, Ezekiel. I want you to prophesy to the dry bones to live again. I want you to preach to the dry bones, live again. Now, (laughs) a less tactful preacher at this point might say, I know what it's like to preach to dry bones. I'm not going to say, no, but, but listen, I would never, listen, listen, I'm just going to tell you what other preachers might do right now. A less, a, a less astute, a less engaged, a preacher that may want to keep his job, you know, he might say, are you people dry bones? No, seriously, are you a bunch of dry bones? Have you heard these promises? Have you heard this plan of redemption? Have you heard about this blessing from God? Are you so deaf? Are you so dumb? Are you so blind that you don't hear what the Lord, our God, is telling you? I'm not saying that to you. I am not saying that to you. But in case, but just in case anybody here does need to hear it. If anybody here might say, yeah, maybe I'm like those dry bones. Maybe I'm in that valley. Maybe I'm in that shadow. Then this is what the Sovereign Lord says to you. You will live again. My life will enter you bone to bone, tendon to tendon, flesh to flesh. And the breath of God can come upon you when you hear the word of the Lord and you respond and call upon him and come back to him and honor him and are faithful to him and walk in covenant with him again. Oh, yes, new life can happen in our lives and so it transpires just as god told ezekiel ezekiel prophesied he spoke to those dry bones the lord did something he heard that rattling right you gotta love that imagery of the rattle and bones and everything coming together but then there's no life in them did you catch that part there was still no life in them. There was preaching that life is possible, that life is available, that life can come to you in God. God can do a work of creation, bringing people back together, but they were just, in a sense, lifeless bodies. They had the appearance now of blessing. They had the appearance of life, but there was no real life in them. And so he said, prophesy to those bodies now that the breath of God might come into them. I'm gonna do a little exercise here with you. I want everybody to just take a moment. This is gonna be like, you know, we're back in elementary school. Everybody, you know, everybody ready to be a kid again? And have a little Sunday school lesson here. I want everybody to take a really big breath. Take in as much air as you can. Now I want you to breathe it out. Keep breathing it out. Keep breathing it out. Don't breathe yet. Keep breathing it out. Push it out. Push it out. Don't breathe yet. Don't breathe yet. He's about ready to pass out. (laughs) Okay, okay. Oh, have you ever wanted a breath maybe more in your life? I mean, oh, the breath. I I mean, that's it. There can be life, but without breath, without the ability to take that breath in. Anybody here have asthma? Yeah, you, know, you can just admit it, you can just admit it to me. It's terrifying. It's terrifying to see somebody have an asthma attack. I can't even imagine what it's like to live with it. I'll pray for you, I'll ask God's blessing on you. I have seen people have asthma attacks. And as terrifying as it is, must be for them, I, I mean, it's terrifying for me because of the, you know, the, the helplessness of how do you get breath into that body? This vast army had yet to have life in them. But God says, you need, to, you need to have that breath or else you're just kind of this, this, this shell. You, you look good, you look pretty, you look alive, but, but you need more, you need, you need my breath. And what God is doing here for Ezekiel is he said, I'm gonna bring you right back into the plan. And the plan starts all the way back at the beginning. Remember, when God formed the first man, he formed him out of the dust of the ground and he formed it together. But was there life in Adam yet? No. It says it was not until God breathed His Spirit, His Ruah. Gotta love that Hebrew word because it just sounds like breath. Ruah. There is a lifeless body until God breathed life into the first man, and we could jump right from that to the promise given to another prophet named Joel, and the promise given to Joel was that My Ruah. My spirit, my breath, it is all wrapped up into one in the Hebrew understanding. My ruah is going to come upon all of my people, young and old, men and women, people from every tribe and nation and tongue. My ruah, my breath, is going to come upon them. And then, of course, we could, we could, jump, uh, we could jump all the way to Lazarus. The parallel text that we could have jumped to today was the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And I love that story so much, I actually preached on it two Sundays last Lent, so that's why we're gonna talk about Ezekiel here a bit today. But that story so perfectly embodies what God is doing with the breath. Lazarus was dead, we know, for four days. Dead and done, wrapped up in the burial cloth, put in the tomb, the stone rolled over. He was dead bones. In that grave but jesus comes and he speaks life he speaks breath roll away that stone and lazarus comes out we could jump all the way to easter morning then but that was foreshadowing of course that our own lord and savior would have the breath suffocated from him would be put in that tomb but we know on Easter we get to shout out he is risen he is risen indeed as the spirit came back into Jesus and he was alive again we could jump all the way to Pentecost and I look forward to celebrating Pentecost don't forget last year I said we're going to make a big deal about Pentecost this year when the spirit comes upon all of God's children when the spirit is poured out more than 3,000 were added to the church on that one day and everybody didn't experience life they already had Life. They already had breath, but now they had breath, spirit, the Ruach, God, making them spiritually alive, redeemed, renewed, born again, because this is what Lent has been pointing us towards all of this time, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him might not die but have eternal life. And he tells Nicodemus, you have to have a new spirit, a new Ruach, a new breath that will make you born. Again, he meets a woman at a well in Samaria and life has left her dry. Life has left her thirsty. Life has left her in that valley. And he says, drink from me the spring of living water. And you will have spiritual life and truth alive in you. And last week Ruth preached on, and and you who are blind now have eyes to see, and I will do that work of new creation. You know, when he kind of puts the mud on his eyes, like what's happening? New creation, new eyes, a new way of seeing, a new way of living, a new spirit in you. This is where God has been pulling us all of this time for the new life that we have in Jesus Christ. So then there's still a third one. He prophesies the breath. <clears throat> but then a lot of people miss this. Right at the end, there's a third stage, there's a third step. He tells him to prophesy You will now that you've been put together, you will now that you have my breath in you, you will now be able to live. You will live and you will settle and you will prosper as the people. I've called you to be. And this is what God really laid on me as I, as, as I thought about this and I listened to some other messages and I read this. I was like, you know what? I, th- I think we have to push, not push, that's not right. Cause then we're trying to do something. We can't miss that third part. God isn't just knitting us back together. God isn't just giving us spiritual life and birth again. He wants to give us something more. He wants to cause us to live, to live in that abundance, to live in that blessing. To live in that hope, to live in that future, to live in that place of abiding with Him. He says you will live and you will settle and you will prosper as the people i have always been calling you to be. And that is where I want to take us this morning. To embrace and to live into the full blessing and the promises of God. Listen, what this passage is teaching us, what this passage is showing us, two things really, really quite simply actually. Nothing is impossible for God. Amen, friends? Nothing is impossible for the sovereign Lord. How many times does Ezekiel properly call him sovereign Lord? Sovereign Lord, only new sovereign Lord. Nothing is impossible for our sovereign Lord. Our sovereign Lord can take the dust and make a man and breathe new life into him. Our sovereign Lord can take a barren couple and from that couple begin to build a nation. Our sovereign Lord can take a king Who is flawed and fallen and adulterer and even a murderer, and he can redeem him and renew him and say, from your (laughs) terribly troubled background, I can bring the king of all kings. Our sovereign Lord can take a group of fishermen and say, I will make you fishers of men, and from you will come out my word of hope and redemption. Our Lord can take a loaf of bread and a cup of wine and say, Eat and drink and know that I am with you now and forever and that you can have life in me our lord and sovereign god can take a demoniac woman and can redeem her and change her and transform her and then reveal himself to her on easter morning and send her out to be the first evangelist to share the good news of life our sovereign lord can do the impossible because nothing actually is Impossible with our God. Amen, friends? I don't know what you think is impossible in your life right now, but this text tells me, as hard as it might be in my flesh, in my own understanding, in my own intellect, in my own reasoning, in my own experiences, this text has to tell me, no, George, what you think is impossible is possible for the living God. Hand it over to Him. Give it to Him. Trust in Him. Put your faith in Him. Nothing is impossible for our God. And you know what our God wants for us? Our God wants for us life. Our God wants for us new life, redeemed life, resurrection life. Let's get the band up here because this passage compels us to worship our risen, our reigning, our returning Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. This text compels us. We have to worship and celebrate, sing the praises of, declare the glories of, shout out loud, prophesy to the dry bones to prophesy to the lifeless bodies, to prophesy to the people who are not experiencing the blessing of God in their life, it compels us, share this word. That's our part, that's what we do. That's what we do when we sing. That's what I'm doing when I preach to you. And that's what you're doing when you share the good news. Nothing is impossible with our God and our nothing is impossible God wants new life and blessing in your marriage, with your kids your life, with your co-workers, with your neighbors, with your parents, with your family, now calls on us to continue sharing that word that God gave to Ezekiel. Share that word and as impossible as it might seem by our own power. Our God can take our words, can take our proclamation. He takes our preaching and he does a work through them. He knits lives back together. He breathes new life into his people. He brings us to that place where it wants to plant us and flourish us, to nurture us, to grow us. Is the full blessing of abiding with God forever. So let me say a prayer, friends. I'm going to say a prayer. I'm just going to ask God to do what only God can do because Ezekiel had it right. <laughs> can, can 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 you can, can these bones live? No, only only you know, Sovereign Lord. Only you know. But I'm going to do my part, and I'm going to prophesy. Heavenly Father, I prophesy, not by my own power, or strength, or might, or wisdom, or intellect, or anything in me, but by your word, I preach, I proclaim life, life to these dry bones, knit lives back together, knit broken lives back together in you, more than that, breathe life into them, breathe life, your spirit. Give us a hope. Give us a future. Give us a mission. Give us a calling. Give us a direction. Give us passion. Give us the full blessing of life now and forever. The abiding love of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. We pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Let's worship, friends.